This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. I my name is Elliot and I am here with Stetson and Michael and they are here with me on the Patreon Hunt Giveaway Weekend. And we're actually just sitting around the table here at Airbnb and we're talking about Bigfoot. And I'm like, <laughs> we've got to start hitting record because my wife is actually, I wouldn't say that she is a believer, but she is one tick away from it. So I'm like... Let's just hit record on this because these guys are kind of in the same realm as my wife. Now, we may come off as crazy as we talk about this, but hey, that's just how it is. We all are. Yeah. We're crazy. Tough. There's a lot of mysteries in the world. So what what were you saying about the airline or about the uh, helicopter pilot? Oh, okay. So the Diesel Brothers, uh, if anybody knows who they are, they're on Discovery Channel. There's the Muscle and Heavy D. There was a viral video last winter in Utah above the Bountiful area, Ogden Bountiful area of a Bigfoot. And so Heavy D and the Muscle, they jumped in the helicopter and because they'll admit you can go watch their videos and they'll, they don't believe. So they went up and found the tracks and sure enough, there's tracks in the snow right where the video was taken. So you guys decide. Because like, <laughs> I think they're, I think they're real. But okay, I'll, so my question would be: If they're real, why do we not have any corpses, and why do we not have any trail cam? But uh, actually, would people say you can't actually find some pictures of people claiming their trail cam? Yeah. But what? What? How would you account for those? Cannibalism. Cannibalism. I was going <laughs> to go the same place, but um, I don't know. I mean. 
Maybe they bury them. Maybe they bury, but eventually, like, wouldn't someone shoot one, or wouldn't they get by a car, or some something of that nature? Oh, I'm not saying no. Like, yeah. bears and wolf sightings aren't that popular either. I mean, they they happen. I'll give you that, but they don't technically. How often does one of those get hit by a car? You know. Enough for us to know they exist. <laughs> <laughs> we got plenty of pictures. Okay. What about the Wolverine? I don't know anything about the Wolverine. So Wolverine. You guys have Wolverines in Utah? We do. Which, by the They're... way, these guys are from Utah. They live right around the Great Salt Lake, which that's been a huge point of conversation because it's really interesting to me. But anyway. So the Wolverines, there's been one or two sightings in Utah, confirmed sightings. Like, they're there. So mm. we know they're there. The fishing game admits they're there. But you don't find them or see them or they're not hit by cars. So maybe they're just an endangered species that, like your Bigfoot, you know, is yeah. just an endangered species that there's not enough of them to be hit by cars. Hmm. I don't know. I, I used to be completely like absolutely not. No way. No way. No way. And then my wife, who has a lot of time on her hands because she's a children's book illustrator and she sits around and draws what works on her books and listens to podcasts. And she did a massive deep dive on podcasts about Bigfoot and I wouldn't say she certainly hasn't gotten me to believe, but I'm to the point now where all the eyewitness accounts, like people like Les Stroud from the survivor man, mm -hmm. he has had encounters. Um, and I I've watched enough of his shows and maybe this is silly on my part. I feel like he's a reliable character witness or a reliable um, yeah, testimony, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. There are so many accounts of people seeing them i mean my understanding i have not seen this my understanding is you can even find accounts like in the lewis and clark diaries okay that they apparently come mm -hmm. through all every single culture there are accounts of these types of creatures mm -hmm. but i've always been if i don't have a corpse and i don't have viable uh photos how could that be and so i go to this and this is where i'm probably really going to sound weird is that if they exist they're demonic. I'm a very spiritual person, and I believe in the demonic realm. And this is information I got from my wife. So she's kind of slanted me a little bit. But a lot of these accounts of Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever have common occurrences. One of the occurrences that is common throughout the world, not, not, all, of the, not all of the experiences, but a lot of them, is that these Bigfoots like morph into balls of light and disappear. Skinwalkers. Skinwalkers. Skinwalkers are very interesting as well. Yeah. So it's like, I believe in that there is an evil, a true evil, and a true good. I believe in angels. I believe in demons. And so I believe in Nephilim, which do you guys familiar with Nephilim are? In the Old Testament, um, there were some type of crossbreed between um, fallen angels and human females. And so, like, Goliath mm -hmm. would be an example of Nephilim, and they're all throughout the Old Testament. And and there's actually a lot of writings in the Book of Enoch, which we wouldn't, I wouldn't accept it as, as a, in the canon of, of either the Old or the New Testament. But it talks about this whole race of giants called Nephilim. Mm -hmm. And they were like a crossbreed between spiritual and non-spiritual. And so my way of thinking, I'm not saying I believe this, if they're that for me 
if I believe, if that's true, then you don't have to have the corpses. You don't have to have the camera footage because now they're a supernatural being. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I can get behind that. I listened to something recently about, um, oh, I, on my, on my YouTube shorts. I, I don't even know what this podcast is. I watch a lot of YouTube shorts and there's this podcast of three people. And he does a lot of like, um, pyramid stuff, this type of stuff, skinwalkers and all of that. And they were talking about there's some file that has been released by the government from years ago about UFOs. And the government was saying in these files that UFOs, they know a lot about them. And the people that some, some UFOs are like remote controlled, but some of them actually have crew and the crew are giants and they're interdimensional. And apparently this was coming out like release documents from the government. Of course, I just saw this on a YouTube short. So I'm not, I don't know the <laughs> actual validity, but that's what these guys were saying. Like these, mm-hmm. these government documents were saying that's what they were saying about these things. And so they were interdimensional creatures. If it's an interdimensional creature, could it not be? If you believe in demons and you believe in the demonic realm, could that not be an interdimensional creature? Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. In Utah, what percentage of the people do you think believe in Bigfoot? Ooh, that's a good question. 15, 20%? I'll bet it's it's more than that. I mean, we believe a lot of weird crap. (laughs) 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 I mean, I think think the world's like, or the universe, whatever, wherever we live, it's like yin and yang. You can't have good without evil. Right. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, we know there's a lot of good in the world. There's also a lot of evil in the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can, I can believe that. Yeah, I, I, I have no problem believing that. I'm not saying I do believe it, but I'm saying I wouldn't have an issue believing it. I think Sasquatch is somewhere. So, I'll, do I'll, you guys hear of, like, around here? I've never met anyone in Kansas that's like, I saw Sasquatch. Have you, have you ever met people or heard of people like so and so said he saw? Bigfoot. No, no, no. The only, the only true instance I can think of was that one last year mm-hmm. that went viral and it wasn't. And then, you know, two big name guys went and investigated it right. and they were non-believers and find the tracks. Yeah. Granted they were in their helicopter and never landed. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. When my but, parents were up in the, my, my mom and my dad used to go up into Minnesota during the summers when it got too hot and kind of take their camper up there and stay. And I don't know where in Minnesota they were, but whatever little community they were in, they were like a huge into Bigfoot. It was like mm-hmm. almost a touristy thing, mm-hmm. but they were holding like city town halls to talk about the sightings everyone was having of Bigfoot. And my, I think my parents even went to one. It's like all these people was like, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. And like this whole community was like, mm-hmm all about the fact they had the imprints of the feet hanging in shops and maybe it was a little touristy thing, but my parents fully believed that the people in this community absolutely believed that this was real. I like that TV show, Finding Bigfoot. But they never so... find anything. It's like, <laughs> Georgie, it's a Bigfoot. <laughs> Every time it's like, oh, they're I they're think... knocking. They're knocking rocks. <laughs> I think that show's so overdramatic. It's like the mountain monsters, too, that I've kind of watched. They go out and investigate all these creatures. Like, yeah. You know, like the, like the Yeti. Uh, the Ohio Grassman, the Yahoo monster. Uh-huh. 
and the devil devil dog or whatever. But hmm. have you guys heard stuff. heard the stories about somewhere down in the desert of Arizona or New Mexico, there's this Native American folklore about these red haired giants. Chupacabra? No, not Chupacabra. Oh. They were red haired giants, and this folklore is told by whatever tribe you're down there that they had these red-haired giants were coming out of the hills and and eating these native american people mm. and so they got sick of it they had some big battle and they trapped all these red-haired giants in like this cave and were able to Silly. kill them and defeat them and and apparently story goes is that someone found the cave and excav excavated it and was actually finding like giant bones, bones and and I don't, I don't know if that's yeah. true or not but it's just interesting so if they can prove that I got it. So if they find the these bones, or if these bones come to be true, would you be a believer then? I have no. Pro I would have no problem believing it. But I'm the way my mind works. I have to have some kind of hard evidence. Well, don't they have imprints like dinosaur imprints, like for Bigfoot though? Like, is I, that not? Well, they've got footprints like in in a cast, but you could always go and just stamp that. Yeah. You know. So then, how do we know dinosaurs are real? There's a sect of people that do not believe that dinosaurs are real. They believe that people found a bunch of weird bones and they stitched them together with plaster. And basically, like, 80% of it's made with plaster. And they're like, mm -hmm. look, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Then you have this other sect of people that believe that dinosaurs lived with humans. Yeah. And that's whenever they're, like, dragons. Okay. Like, Because you can go into ancient text um, – not biblical, but ancient texts where they're talking about dragons and so and so did dragons, and there's a whole a whole people that believe that that those were actually dinosaurs. I I don't know, I don't know. Who knows what to believe? Yeah, I think dinosaurs are real. I would tend to think so <laughs> because I seen the dinosaur tracks in the coal mines. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, he did work in the coal mines. So tell me about that. Well, I just. Just tracks, just sitting just there. Tracks. You gotta go a little deeper than that. Like, where are they sitting? Miles underground, of course. But no, you just go in there and mine it out, and you roof fold it up because that's the roof folder. And you just every now and then you'd see footprints or trees. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's huh. cool. So, what kind of mine was this? Coal mine. A coal mine. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you saw you saw these, or you were told about? I them? saw them personally. Really? How like, big were they? No, they're probably two feet around. And they looked like three reptile, toe. like okay, three toes. Toe. Toe. So like a duck. No, could have been a big old massive duck, <laughs> or, or or I guess a uh, turkey. <laughs> it could have been, but no, it was no bird or anything. But it's just a three toe, <laughs> just like a turkey. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a big ass turkey. <laughs> they have themselves some kind of thing. All right. <laughs> Anyway, that stuff's really interesting. If my wife was here, she would be going off on this stuff. I may have to have her on the podcast just to talk about her beliefs about Bigfoot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she tries to play the line of, like, I don't really believe. But if you listen to her talk, oh. you're like, oh, you don't believe? Really? Because I just listened to you for 30 minutes, and obviously you do. <laughs> you do, except for the point of being like, oh, I don't know. I don't really believe. Yeah, well, then why are you talking like that? <laughs> My wife's the same way, other than she's very adamant that she believes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to get our wives together. Oh. My wife, whenever I have like uh, friends around, she's like, do they believe in Bigfoot? 
Because <laughs> like, she just wants me to like poll all my friends to see if they believe in Bigfoot or not. This actually started because we're in this Airbnb and there's a Bigfoot little thing on the fridge. <laughs> you can find me at the fun days. <laughs> yeah, the fun days with Bigfoot. Oh, that's funny. All right, so on to the duck hunting. That was enough sidetrack. Enough yeah, sidetrack. Yeah, um, so <laughs> the deal with this podcast is this: this is year three to the Patreon hunt giveaway. And every August, the last three Augusts, um, for people who are on Patreon, I put everyone's name on a wheel and their contributions for a year and we spin it and, and whoever's name comes on the wheel is, um, gets to, we hunt together basically. And so this year it was Michael and I was really, really glad when it hit on his name because I, I think out of every current member of patreon michael's probably the longest reigning member it's been a while i think it would have probably have been i'm trying to think what year you would have started on there it would have been 16 or 17 yeah probably i'm thinking it was 16. and when i first started patreon i i i had i, I kind of um was like i will you will come on podcast with me while I was doing live streams on my YouTube channel at the time. Mm -hmm. And we will talk about, um, I would kind of help you with developing social media, YouTube channel, stuff like that. And so I actually, I'm going to go into the archives. I'm going to post this on Patreon. I'm going to go in the archives because you were on at least one. How many, was it just one? Just, yeah. One live stream that I'm aware of. You were of. on one live stream. Um, where we, I don't remember what we talked about. I have no idea. What I don't about. remember what we talked about either. I just know I was way nervous. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to post that on Patreon and go back and look at it because I was probably saying all sorts of stupid stuff. Yep. I was way nervous, and I know I was out in my garage to avoid the kids, and I was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so his name came up, and we scheduled on and this is the Patreon um, hunt giveaway weekend. And so he brought Stetson with him. It's his plus one. When when you, if, if your name is drawn, you can come by yourself, or you can do a plus one. Year one, Matt Bocci brought a plus one. Year two, um, Michael, I can't remember, Sailor, thank you, Michael Sailor. He did not bring a plus one, and we went up to hunt with Jordan, and then year three, Stetson came along. So these guys are from Utah, and they flew into the airport on Friday. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. from there, um, I had an Airbnb re reserved, because I've been pretty doing pretty well in a certain area of the state, and I had an Airbnb reserved for that. I'm like, this is where we're staying. And a couple days before, um, well, last weekend, I hunted those places and they did not do very well. And I'm like, man, these guys are coming in from Utah. I got to do everything I can to get us some successful hunts. Everyone that comes in says the same thing. What'd you say about shooting birds? I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm right. just happy to be out. Yeah. Well, that, we, all, it, we all know that that's pleasantries and not true. No, no it really is true. <laughs> if you guys had left without a single duck, you'd be like, man. Hey, 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 I'm sure you'd say like, well, it was fun, but hey, I can't blame yeah. you not putting me on birds. I can't shoot. Yes, crap, but the so. level of excitement of the trip is around killing ducks. And if you go in without killing any, it's it's, you know, you can still say, well, it was fun. It was a nice time, but it's good experience. Just coming here for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it's always better to kill something. Yeah, it's always better to kill. Something. It's always better to kill something, especially a limit. Yeah. So on I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm putting out my feelers and contacting everyone. How are you doing here? How are you doing there? And the network and everything. And um, I'm like, we got to change where we're going because this place, I'm not feeling good about it. 
and I know where I should be going. I know where we can kill some green wing teal, maybe some mallard. So I, I switched the Airbnb and you guys got to the airport. You met me at my house at 430 and boom, we are off on a drive to for this current Airbnb we're in here. So go through, uh, Michael, with me. What was that day like? Just go through your travel day. Like when did you guys wake up? Well, when did you fly out? How did that whole travel day go for you guys? Well, Stetson, I guess, woke up first. You can go ahead. Well, <laughs> got up around 4 a.m. A.m. Mm -hmm. You know, on Friday morning, drove up to Trent's house and picked him up around, what, 7 o'clock. I went to mm -hmm. the airport, scared to shit, trying to check a gun in because I've never done <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you, the first the time you're doing that, it's not a fun experience. No, it's it? not. And, and then, you know, we just... Hung out at the airport, wait till our plane arrived, got on the plane, got here. Two hour flight? About two hour flight oh, here. What movie? You said you guys watched the movie. What movie <laughs> did you guys watch? A kindergarten Cop or something? <laughs> well, Honestly, I watched Barbie. Oh my God. Did you choose that movie? <laughs> I did. That was your choice? That was my choice. How I, was it? I didn't even see it on there. Uh, it was all right. Um, I just, it was okay. I wanted to see Give it. Give it a one to, one to five. A three. Three, three out of five. Did you watch oh, Barbie? Uh, one out, no, oh, I didn't. Sorry. One out, <laughs> one out of five? I see one out of ten. So let's knock that down to like one and a half. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. You just said it was all right. Then you gave it, it a I mean, one it and a half. It was for a kid's movie. I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Right. I, that's yeah. really what I watched. I just heard, that. I just heard it was stupid. It was stupid. I just want to see how <laughs> My kids would have loved it. But. Yeah. But, well, I so. started out watching Christmas Vacation. Oh, there you go. I love yep. that movie. Yeah. And then I was like, I can watch that anytime. Yeah. Uh, so I was just scrolling through there. And like, hmm. Hey, look, there's Speed Racer. I haven't watched that in a long time. The Speed Racer <laughs> movie? Yeah, the Speed Racer movie. So well, we just clicked on it, watched it, and there you go. I love that movie. My morning was a little bit less eventful, I guess. Stetson lives a few hours away from my, from myself, so I really kind of slept in and Woke up about the time he got there. <laughs> Text him, I'm here. <laughs> Shit, I gotta leave. <laughs> no, but I've flown with a gun before, so I kind of walked him through it. It's yeah. pretty easy, pretty yeah. easy process. It was but, slick. Well, flew into Kansas City, and here we are. So I, you guys are really more big game hunters than you're a waterfowl, right? Yeah. I, uh, I am. I yeah. am. So why are you following me, a waterfowl only guy, when you're – because I can tell your real passion is big game. Well, at the time you started your podcast, Matt, I became a Patreon. I was duck hunting so much that I was almost in trouble with the wife. <laughs> like you got it. She finally says you got to stop going so much. <laughs> oh well, no! And then just the last. And I, I've been a big waterfowl hunter since right. I was twelve. I mean, right. I was either you hunt deer and elk, that hunt ends, and you fall right into waterfowl. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just kind of how everything always fell, but. The last few years, I just have gotten lucky and drawn the big game tags. Mm. So they've kind of just ate up my time. But. Okay. So what? So your what your the tags that you're able to draw kind of determine your mm -hmm. hunting mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. So our general elk hunt starts the same weekend. I should say general rifle elk hunt starts the same weekend as our duck opener. Mm -hmm. So if I can fill my elk tag on the archery hunt, which is before, which is, you know, August, September, then I'm, I'm just duck hunting mm -hmm. after that, but it just hasn't kind of worked out that way for me. Right. 
So, so tell me all of the big game animals that you've har harvested, not like how many elk, but like mm -hmm. species wise, what have you harvested? I know a lot of elk. Mule deer, elk. That's really it. Yeah. I'm looking for a pronghorn next, next year. Mm -hmm. I'll probably have that for sure. I've been trying to get bison for a few years, 19 years <clears throat> now. Hasn't happened. Will you tell the listeners about the, this, I didn't realize this about the bison herd that is actually a native bison, like the last. Yeah. So the Southern Utah bison, the Henry mountains unit, they supposedly are the last, like most pure free range herd. There's some in Montana, but I think we've shipped some up there. I know there's some in Wyoming, but I think we've shipped some up there to help maintain their herds or bring their populations up. Um, Antelope Island has some too, but obviously that's an Island. So they've just transplanted them there. So that's, and they've moved some into the book cliffs unit also, but they're supposedly the most pure free range bison herd in the country. And you said they haven't been transplanted. Nope. This is like a natural, you can tra trace the, the lineage of this back to the original yep. bison, which is so cool. Yep. So awesome. Cause I mean, bison here in Kansas used to just dominate. Mm -hmm. I mean, just there was in by the millions and it's so sad that they're gone. And I know like, as we've been driving around today, I've made a couple of comments. One thing I love to do in this area of the state is when I see a Vista, I like to imagine no fences, mm -hmm. no roads, no ag fields. Cause that's one thing, like when we see ag fields, we think, Oh, natural and country, but it's no, no ag fields are like canned human intervention. Oh yeah, that's not what it should look like. You need to see prairie grasses. You need to see CR, you know CRP type. You know, mm -hmm. but if you imagine it and you imagine those herds of bison, you can understand the vastness, mm -hmm. how beautiful and magnificent Kansas was. And it's still a cool state, but back then, without the fences and the bison, and there was grizzlies and there was wolves and there was Native Americans, it was like a rugged, wild place and you can imagine it in your mind when you are driving and mm -hmm. you see you know so yeah. to me it's so cool that to hear that herd is actual still uh, uh from the original mm -hmm. species yeah it's it's phenomenal it's I'm, I'm lucky to live in utah and have that opportunity but you've been drawing for drawing for a bison 19 I, i'm 19 years i've been trying oh my gosh so i've been on my dad drew one 98 or something like that mm. and seeing them and being close to them it's amazing it, it's amazing the animals and creatures we have on this planet and i originally i was like well that must just be like you can't hunt like you just walk up and you pop <laughs> and you're like no it's not like that describe <laughs> it a little bit oh it's far from a canned hunt it it's <laughs> oh it yeah i've seen them run off of steeper hills than i've ever wanted to walk up or mm. down i mean they are not a plains animal like you think and for as big as they are they can hide like hmm. you're like oh there's one oh where'd it go and they can move and they can move they're not slow and sluggish they yeah. they can move and they, all the people in yellowstone but yeah yellowstone is it, it, yeah that's not even kind of what a wildlife a no. buffalo looks like or acts like right they're just too used to people up there mm -hmm. you know it's like estes park with the elk it's Right. That's it's, not how it works. Yeah. It's they just not, walk down and hang out. No. They just moved or 
yeah people moved into their territory and they're yeah. like, we're not going nowhere yep yeah so in, very very interesting so basically um you're a big game you're just a outdoorsman that loves to hunt and whatever it may vary from season to season you may be a waterfowl hunter for one season you may be a big game hunter a fisherman um, now Stetson, the interesting thing about you is you you had never been on a duck hunt never so talk a little bit about your outdoor life well my job takes up most of that uh -huh. but, <laughs> but just try to do what i can do well because you're an elk hunter yep i'm an elk hunter right never shot one never shot a deer but I still go out and look for it be on yeah. the mountain and just so you are you love the big game but you because you told me your work schedule is <clears throat> intense it's crazy so you would love to do a lot more than you're able to do but the work really mm -hmm. overtakes it i i just and plus, I live so far away mm. to travel up to where pretty much the good ducks are. Right. It's like mm -hmm. a four-hour drive. Yeah. So it's why well, take it out of my day just to go up there, right. hunt for a few hours, to turn around and drive another four hours. Yeah. But but after well, today, I, I don't know. You may be making today, some four-hour drives. I think I'm, I'm going to sacrifice and drive. <laughs> we'll go get a hotel up there or something. We got him in the hotel. So oh, house, man. But... Today, it was just one of those icebreaker. Yeah. It's like, why haven't I done this years ago? Yeah. yeah. It was it was definitely a fantastic hunt. So After I got down trying to shoot him. Well, <laughs> yeah. and but to, We'll get into that. The shooting today was um, not the most ideal setup for someone who's never been on a duck hunt. Right. And we'll talk about that in a moment and how it played out. I wouldn't say the shots were overly, overly difficult because there were some easy ones, but it was just all the variables involved. Yep. And in they it. all come in. And and you did fine. Yeah, you uh, you did fine. better than I have, and I've been hunting ducks since I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> so we got in the Airbnb, and we linked up with Jake and Aiden. And Jake, if you don't know, he is a good buddy of mine. He runs the Chasing Green. Um, YouTube channel, and I think you probably know who Aiden is, and I call him Golden Boy, and he posts videos on my channel, and two of my best friends, and so we linked up for a, for me, this is the first time I've hunted more than five people. We actually ended up hunting with six people total. I asked Alex, which is another patron, who Alex had been in the area, and we had been communicating all week um, as he was coming in. He lives in South Carolina. He was coming into the state, and so I was giving him information that I knew to help him on the hunt. And then once he got in the area, then he was feeding me back information about how he was doing. And it was one of, another from Jake and Aiden and Alex, it was one of the reasons why I switched the hunt location. Because I just figured if we go to this location, we can have success and be successful. So um, this was Alex's last day. So and I never had actually met him face to face, had messaged him back and forth a lot and him being on Patreon and everything. And so I just asked him to join us on the hunt. So this was an open lake hunt and people had been shooting a lot of green wing teal. Now what we were really hoping for on this weekend was to be able to find a way to shoot some mallards because there are some mallards in the area. Oh, yeah. But the idea was that this was pretty much a for sure good hunt of green wing teal. And then the rest of the day we would spend trying to find some mallards for day two. So um, the first morning we got to the boat ramp and we actually used Alex's boat. So it was 
Stetson, Michael, myself, and Alex, we jumped in his boat and we set up on this point on this main lake. And then Jake and Aiden walked in a little bit later. And so there's not much cover on the shoreline. So we had six layout blinds and then we spent, I don't know, probably a good 45 minutes to an hour. Hours. Just hauling, cutting and hauling limbs. Blind, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so that we could all be on this bare shoreline and try to shoot these green wing teal. So um, from the start, there was just teal everywhere. I mean, it was a, it was a visual spectacle, this, this hunt. And there was just green wing teal everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. You didn't go no more than two minutes without seeing one. Right. I mean, the whole video, this is going to be a long video. It's going to be a good video, but there's not much talking involved because it's just, just a lot of shooting. Right. <laughs> I mean, we shot our six man limit in like an hour and a half and it was, there was no downtime. No, none. Boom, boom. There was never a time in which conversation broke out because any, it was just constant. I mean, we shot our limit in an hour and a half and we probably only decoyed five, 10 percent of the birds that came yeah. around yeah. us. Yeah, our hide wasn't that great. No. <laughs> right, we were noticeable. Oh yeah, <laughs> but the shots we were we were shooting were still very very killable. Now the reason I said this the shooting was a little more difficult was number one, it's six people laying side by side on a mud bank in layout blinds, and if you've never if you have not been on a lot of duck hunts and if you've not shot at a layout blind, it is certainly different because if you're mm -hmm. if you are sitting on a bucket or if you're standing. Your upper body from your waist up is going to be for is going to be a little bit forward over your waist as you shoot. But if you're doing a sit up to shoot, it's a lot more difficult to get your torso kind of in that same forward pattern over your mm -hmm. waist. So a lot and re, and you can't handle the recoil as well either. Yeah. So the recoil is going to push you back a little bit when you take the shot. Your torso is going to be back a little bit, and it takes you longer time to get out of the layout line, get your gun ready. And so a lot of times by that time, I mean, you, the, the shot may be called at 20 yards, but you may be pulling the first trigger at 35 a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the shooting was fine and we did a great job and we should, we killed 36 ducks in like an hour and a half. Hour and, and a half. And uh, Michael, what from the hunt kind of stood out to you that like, what are you going to remember from this particular hunt? Just how many birds there were all the time. I've only ever experienced that many birds in that quick action probably one over one other time in my entire life yeah and it was again green wing till on mm -hmm. utah lake with two of my buddies hal and jeremy yeah you know that's that's the only time mm -hmm. i think i've experienced it that intense yeah and they were everywhere what about you stetson well for me starting off is my first duck hunt mm -hmm. and you know first out of state hunt and just seen that many birds in one spot and how small teal are yeah. <laughs> green wing's a little they're bird a small target they're a little bird and how fast they can fly they can yeah. man it's all downhill from here bud <laughs> there's going to be a lot more dying <laughs> i love the, the whooshing of winds of wings yeah. sound oh yeah because a lot of these birds are kind of coming over our left shoulder yeah for they whatever were. reason there was, there was no wind but you just hear it before mm -hmm. you see a lot of times. And yeah. I'd say my favorite part of the hunt, number one, two things. Number one, the, the dogs, uh, Stella and Georgie 
were just like rockets. Oh man, they oh I mean flawless, perfect. Just That's, boom, yeah. boom, boom, fast, and, and and you guys are gonna gotta see the video because these two dogs are just flying all over the place. That's the best dogs I've ever hunted over. Mm-hmm. Ever. There was one retrieve, and I got it on video, and I, I'm pretty I'm I, I got it better on video than I thought I did because I figured it was oh. gonna be shaky and it wasn't, but. There was a, a teal that, that flew down the bank and landed kind of on a point on the bank. And Jake said, someone better get on that bird fast. I sent Georgie. She runs over there. And right when she got to it on the bank, this thing flushed. And so the thing flushed towards the lake. And she's running, entering the water. And this teal is probably two yards, maybe one yard away from her mouth. And it's kind of fluttering, struggling to fly. And she's chasing it and trying to chomp at it. And, and it gains a little ground on her. It hits the water. And she hits that water and she's jumping and chasing it. And the interesting thing about it that I thought was 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 unique is that when Georgie picks up a bird, so when it when a like a wolf or a lion or whatever, when it gets an animal, normally it'll get it and shake it. Uh-huh. That's like the death shake. Uh-huh. And Georgie does not do that when she retrieves birds, but there that unlocked some like animal instinct in her because when she got that bird in her hand. She did that shake. Oh, okay. And even on wounded birds, she doesn't do that. I missed Maybe that shake. Still more alive. Yeah, well, but even Maybe. even on wounded birds, she doesn't do it. There was something about that chase for her yeah. that like unlocked that wolf in her. You're mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Around the water. Right. <laughs> you're here. No, you're here. <laughs> yeah, you're three feet away. <laughs> she grabbed it and did that little shake, and it, it was awesome. That was but, awesome. But my favorite part of the hunt was right before Stetson killed his last bird. And Jake oh, said, man. look at all the birds coming. Look at all the birds coming. And, man, there was, I don't know, hundreds of teal circling us, uh, winging around. There were singles landing in the decoys, and Jake just waited. He just wasn't calling. This was awesome on his part. So, and for some perspective, we only needed two birds. Stetson needed one, and Elliot needed one. Right. So that was it. So we just sat and watched these birds. Yeah. It was amazing. It yeah. Was, oh, that was the best part. Right. And it, it, that was a professional level shot calling because it was. there was lots of singles that came in perfectly and Jake just didn't call it. He didn't call it. Mm-mm. And and we just got to watch the spectacle for a long time. And it was they weren't flying all together. It was like just flies or gnats just buzzing. And you'd look up and you might see 20 up there kind of cupping in. Mm-hmm. You'd look over to the right. There's some coming from the right. And, oh, look, there's one in the decoys. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> They loved the left side decoy. They did yeah, like the left did. side decoys. They did. And uh, Jake finally called the shot and set and sets and crushed it for his final last bird. And that whole sequence was it, awesome. Oh, I loved just, it. It was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was really, really spectacular duck hunt. So mm-hmm. so and on that note, I think Jake would like it on record that Elliot might like big groups now. Well, I'll tell you what, after this time, I am going to do a pod, a whole podcast segment, not right now, because I've done extensive talk about my disdain for hunting in big groups. Um, and I'm going to do an entire probably 20-minute segment on my thoughts on it. But I will say this, is that in this scenario, we had six. I fully enjoyed myself for a couple of reasons. Jake was the leader. He was in control, and he kept it calm. Mm-hmm. We didn't have six people gunning all the time. I don't think we ever had. We never had six people shooting. No, I don't think any. I think all we six, only had maybe three. Two, maybe three. Yeah. I think Alex, Hayden, or Aiden. Aiden. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then me. Mm-hmm. Like first couple bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Bucks. 
Yeah. But other than that, we just all pretty much took our turn. Oh, and I just and Jake would call it out. He'd say, yeah. "Michael, take this one. Stetson, yeah. take this one." And so Jake was the leader of this six-man hunt, and he kept it under control. Mm -hmm. And then there's two dogs that were under control. So my thing with big hunts is is it didn't feel like an out of control group hunt party. Mm -mm. It was under control. It yeah. was calculated. Yeah. The dogs were picking up birds before we shot again. Yep. And so, and everyone there was really enjoyable to be around. Mm -hmm. I like genuinely liked everyone there. So I absolutely enjoyed this six man hunt. And I, I would never want that to be my normal thing where I do a bunch, you know, big person yeah. hunts, but I can tell you, I really enjoyed it. It was way fun. Could have been like we were new. We, they just wanted us to feel the experience. So they just didn't want to no, like big man. hunters just shoot them. And, no, it, it wasn't no, even that. I think I've been that's in bigger the way. groups and it's, it's a disaster. Everybody's fighting over birds and, oh, I shot it. No, I shot it. See, no, this was, this was so it. perfect. I, I enjoyed this hunt so much. Right. And the whole time it's like, okay, how many you got? How many of your birds? Count your birds. Mm -hmm. All right. Now we need to. We need to make sure Stetson gets one because maybe he has one less than everyone else. And so, you know, yep. it was just – and Jake had, Jake and I had talked about this before, about the – for a, a six, seven, eight-man party, someone has to be the leader and has to be under control. Mm -hmm. And it was. And oh, it was every bird I shot, I knew I killed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a group hunt. Yep. Same with you. You know the bird, the birds. There may have been one or two where you're like, well, I'm not sure who yeah, shot we that. Both and that happens even with three people. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, Exactly. You're like you split it. You don't know because you're both shooting at it. We're yep. all taking it home anyway. So. Right, right. So it was just a really, really enjoyable day. Um, and before we sign off here, the only partner I'm going to talk about on this episode um, is Motion Ducks, um, because you and I had talked about the spreader system mm -hmm. and how long you've been using it. So before I let Michael talk about the Motion Ducks um, decoy spreader system. I want to tell you guys, you can get it for 10% off FDH 10. They're a newer partner. You've heard about them um, by now. And I just encourage you, if you don't have this system, you are missing out because it's, it's, it's a thousand times better than a regular jerk rig system. You need motion on the water. And this is hundred percent the best system for motion on the water. So you were telling me at dinner about your experience with motion ducks, mm -hmm. Michael, can you kind of relay that? Mm -hmm. So I was working in Idaho and went to a hunt expo and met the owner or inventor of it at the time. And this was probably 2015, 16, maybe. Can't remember exactly. But we went out to, uh, my buddy and Hal went out to a place called Fish Springs in Utah. And I think Shane was there too. And we were hunting out of a blind and we set, I never used this before. And I set up all my decoys like on the left, left side. And I set the spreader up on the right-hand side and just to see how it kind of worked. And we shot three-man limit of widgeon that day. And every single one of them ignored our spread and went right to those decoys. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. It was phenomenal. Like, this thing actually works. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so, guys, if you, you know that I've said this before, you've heard me talk about it, the number one important indicator for success is wind mm -hmm. and when you don't have wind and you don't have motion on the water you are going to shoot less ducks mm -hmm. we know this is true based on the north american waterfowler app and all the data i have over there it is this is not an opinion anymore this is hard fact true and so you've got to combat this no motion 
on the water. And the best way to do that, there's multiple ways to do it, but the best, easiest way to do that, and I believe the most effective way to do that, is the Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System. And so go check it out, FDH10, for 10% off. Now, we spent the um, rest of the day looking for mallards, and it was an enjoyable day, but we didn't really find any. Mm. Um, Setson, what was your favorite part of, I know what my favorite part of this day was, of not the hunt, but the looking for mallards. Do you have anything that <laughs> sticks out to be the most enjoyable part? Yeah, taking a walk without her, my shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because oh. it's, you know, we got halfway down there, and you know, it's like, you know, maybe we should have brought the shotgun to see if we could scare up some pheasants. <laughs> what, 10 steps no later? No lie, we flushed one out. <laughs> Not one. And then, like, five minutes later, Jordy flushes one out there, and it's like, we could have had two pheasants. Yep. Perfect. Birds. We've been driving around this whole complex for an hour, and we'd seen what fifty people upland. Oh, there's a oh, ton man. of people upland hunting. Oh, yeah. Note to us: maybe <laughs> this is good upland territory. If we're going to take a walk, maybe we should have our shotguns with us. Yeah, yeah. We, we were what twenty yards from the truck, and Elliot says, "We yeah. might want to grab a shotgun because we see some pheasants." And we like, yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> what fifty yards yeah. later, one jumps up, like yeah. under our feet. Yeah, like three feet. Yeah, oh. right there. And then Georgie found that other one. She did good. Yeah, it's Georgie's first pheasant flush. She's staring at us. Yeah. <laughs> but it that was really fun. Um, but it, it would have been more fun had we been able to kill them. But mm -hmm. yeah, we didn't find That's any okay. mallards. So the plan tomorrow is we're going to go back to the same spot. Except tomorrow it's just three of us. Yep. And we're going to use the um, final approach stand up blind. And I think I think the hide will be better because we're going to go right back there. We've got all those willows. I, th I think we will see a big improvement to the number of ducks that decoy. The wind's going to be better. We're going to be using the spreader system again. Might even go a little smaller decoy set. Um, we'll have the A-frame or the stand-up blind. I think I think we'll decoy a higher percent tomorrow. Okay. That'd be good. I do. So, I guess any final thoughts from you, Michael? No. I've enjoyed this trip. I really have. I have, too. This has been so much fun. Um We've got been. You've had a tour of small town Kansas. We've been to some some decent local cafes, some not so decent <laughs> local places. Seen the world's biggest ball of string or <laughs> twine. Yeah, as, as we pass by at sixty yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, oh, there it is. <laughs> I kept joking about taking a picture. We get there and there's two guys in blaze orange out there <laughs> yeah. taking pictures right in the front of us. Like I told you guys, you need your picture. I should have made you guys. We should have. Two deer hunters. Well, I just took a picture, sent it to my wife, and she's like, that's cool. That's funny. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Awesome. On our way up to Montana. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys being here. I've really enjoyed the time. I think we're going to probably shoot another limit tomorrow. We will, and it's been one heck of an experience coming it, out here. It certainly has. It certainly has. And it won't be the last. Wow. Yeah, you guys have talked about a return trip already. Holy yeah. Time. I think it'll be a, so a be ten day or Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. That would probably be a package deal. <laughs> shoot some deer, shoot some upland, shoot some Yeah, oh yeah, some... do all do all the above. Right. Maybe some fishing too. Yeah. It's a great area. It's it's a wonderful area. So all right. If you want to see the videos of these hunts, you know you can check them out at Freelance Duck Hunting. And um, I will also post them on patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. So come on over there and join the fun. Um, it's a great community. I don't think that you'll regret it. So I think that's all we've got. I will definitely update you guys in, in the near future about hunt number two and how and how it went. But 
that's all I have for today. So thank you for joining us. Until next time, this has been another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast.